the things we all carry is a podcast about first responders and their stories surrounding trauma on the job. The intention of this podcast is to raise awareness and share meaningful conversation around a subject often viewed as taboo or simply ignored. Be aware this content may be graphic and it is real. It may not be suitable for children or adults triggered by this subject matter. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Things We All Carry, and welcome to another in my series of pop-up style interviews. Some of y'all might recognize this week's guest from episode 52 as I welcome back Brad from the eastern shore of Maryland. Brad is a third-generation firefighter with 22 years of service. He first started as a volunteer and is now approaching 18 years with his career department. Brad reached out to my request for impromptu interviews, and it intrigued me since I'd already heard his life story in a previous episode we recorded. Turns out he had a new subject to discuss. He was part of the 62 Romeo Sleep Cohort and wants to spread the word as a sleep ambassador. Brad shares his sleep story, tips that help him, what changes he's made, and a few other bits of information. Look up episode 48 to find out even more information on 62 Romeo. A quick reminder to please help us build a community which not only recognizes, but supports each other through the struggles and recovery. Reach out through Instagram at the things we all carry or email my story at the things we all carry.com to offer support and share your story. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and give a shout out to any first responder you know, love, or care about. Y'all enjoy the show. Let's do this. It's good. Uh, it's 106 right now. Let's aim for about an hour and see what we get. Sounds like a plan. All right. So I have Brad with me today. Brad's this is his second time back with me. So welcome back, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, I forgot, and I'm ignorant, I forgot to look up the uh, episode number. I don't know if you recall it, the episode you were on, which which number it was, but I can post it in the show notes and people can check your original episode out. Um, I don't know, how long has it been? About two months since I put this call out for pop-up interviews? Yeah, something like that, two or three months. Yeah, and you jumped on it, and, and I thought it was interesting that to have someone who had already been on the show come in and talk about something that I really wasn't aware of what you wanted to talk about until recently. And so I think some of the... Most of the topic today will be centered around sleep and what you've done for your own self with sleep, correct? Sure. Yeah. Why don't you give a, a well, reintroduce yourself to the audience. How about that? Okay. Uh, my name is Brad Streifer. Um, I live on the Eastern shore of Maryland, um, halfway between Annapolis and Ocean City. So right smack dab in the middle of the peninsula. Um, I, I work for Anne Arundel County Fire Department. I'm a lieutenant there. I've been there about 18 years. Um, I'm on the peer support team. I'm actually the, the lead for C-Shift. So I help uh, organize call-outs, training, uh, and just facilitate what we need uh, for peer support on on my shift. I'm one of the two leads for that. So um, and with that, I, I kind of go down this mental health road. Uh, I went down it myself. And then um, using all the information that I've learned to facilitate other people's well-being and uh, uh, prevention. So, Well, let's... let's- Hit that real quick. What when you say you went down the the road yourself? Uh, briefly, give us a capsulation of, of what that dr- journey was for you. Well, so I started as a volunteer when I was about fifteen years old. Uh, I grew up with the fire department, but uh, officially started when I was fifteen. I got hired when I was twenty, um, and just just going through that the the old hat the old ways of the fire service were. Uh, you didn't really talk about things. If they bothered you, you just bottled them up and you kept doing what you were doing. And that's, that's how we did it. Um, I think everybody that's listening to this podcast realized that's all old stuff. It's all bullshit and it doesn't work. 
Um, and we're starting to see that it's really taking a toll on all of us. So, uh, you know, you see the calls, you, you don't sleep, you don't process, you don't, uh, you don't do anything about it. You don't talk about it. Uh, that's a sign of weakness. Um, and you just, you just keep plugging forward and unfortunately it's, it, it doesn't do anything good for us. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, in 2014, uh, I read a call that was, uh, one of our off duty guys. Um, and then all the events that transpired with that, uh, just, just put me down a downward spiral and it was, um, uh, it was time for me to make a change. So that's where I went and got my help. I went, saw a therapist. I still see a therapist. Um, I've been through a couple, um, and got on the peer support team. So I started learning the proper way to deal with this stuff. And, uh, the way I equate that is just like a fire instructor. You know, if you, if you have a paramedic instructor or fire instructor that can sit there and teach, but has never done the job, what's their credibility? So, um, you know, with the peer support, I've, I use my experience to help others through their experiences. And hopefully that adds credibility to what I'm teaching them. Um, like we were just talking before we recorded, uh, we, we go to, we go to conferences, we go to, um, different seminars. We do all sorts of extra training to keep up on that. So, uh, that's what helps me and it helps me help others. Um, and, and part of that journey was, uh, learning about sleep and, uh, how everything we do in the fire service really trashes our sleep. And that is the foundation for all of our mental wellness, uh, our physical wellness and everything else. So, um, that's, that's kind of been my passion lately. Like I do a lot with peer support, but, but sleep is really the basis behind all that. So when you, when you talked about your sleep or when you talk about your sleep now, what, what was your sleep before you decided to make it a priority? So sleep, um, I, I would venture to say it's most of the people that listen to this, uh, podcast or podcasts like this, that, um, a typical day at work, I get up at 4am. I got about an hour ride, hour and a half ride to work. Um, and then you keep plugging away. Um, if you were to slow down and take a nap, it's almost a sign of weakness. Um, so, you know, if you think about it by lunchtime, most of us have put it in an eight hour day. Um, then we're going till 10, 11, 12, you know, one o'clock in the morning, just doing paperwork and catching up and training and just sitting at the coffee table, drinking coffee till whatever hours of the night and then sleeping one or two hours and trying to do it all over again. Um, and over time you start to realize that that you come home irritable, you come home, um, cranky, tired, just short tempered, all this stuff. But it's, dare I say like the bravado of being a firefighter that, oh yeah, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, uh, no rest for the wicked, you know, keep treating, keep plugging away. And, and some, somehow we, we thought that makes us better at what we do. Um, so you know, I would come home, I would get stuff done around the house, go to the gym and, you know, drinking 300 milligrams of caffeine with a pre-workout on top of coffee all day and just not sleeping at night, maybe getting what I thought was 20 minute power naps every night, uh, tossing and turning. And then, you know, just really being an asshole all the time. Uh, what does, uh, what's your schedule you work out there? We work 24 72. Okay. So you're getting up at four to go to work. Yep. All right. You work your 24. What time are you getting up at the station to come home? Uh, it depends. Um, you know, 
typically at work, uh, uh, the, the written rule is you have to be up by 6.30 to do Passover. Okay. Uh, but it, if you get your butts kicked at night and you slept in a little bit, that's okay. Um, some stations are a little more strict. Some are a little bit more lenient. Um, you know, so it could be anywhere from running that call at 4 a.m. and just, all right, we're just going to stay up now or, you know, sleep until 7, 7.30. Um, but really no set time to get up or anything like that. Right. So there's no set schedule on that, that day that you're leaving the station. So that kind of screws with you as well. And then before you, you started to make a priority, what was your time? What was, did you have a set bedtime and wake up time or were you just going with the flow of the day and, and whatever struck struck? Yeah, exactly that. Going with the flow of the day. If, uh, you know, on my priority list, I had a hundred things to do at home. I would get up early. I'd go to the gym early. And that could be 5 a.m. Go to the gym early. So I'm done by 6.37. I can get some breakfast in. I can get my kids up and get them moving for school. Then I can get some laundry done, cut the grass, you know, start doing all my hundred things. Um, and then by mid-afternoon, starting to get tired and lagging. So it's like, all right, well, let's, let's throw in a cup of coffee or pot of coffee or, you know, whatever it is and keep plugging away. Okay, now the kids are home from school. Let's get some dinner going. Let's do some homework. If I have softball or they have sports or something going on, um, you know, eight thirty, nine o'clock, you're finishing dinner, you're getting kids showered or put in bed, get yourself showered. And now it's like, okay, now I got downtime. Let's watch a movie. Let's, let's have, let's do something for me. Um, you know, maybe have that nightcap. Hey, I work real hard. I'm going to sit here with a, with a couple of beers or a, a glass of wine or a bourbon or something. Uh, next thing you know, it's, 12 o'clock at night, your, your, your eyes are getting heavy. So you go to bed. Um, but then you're not really sleeping. You know, you, you've, you've exhausted yourself. You've been running all day. Um, but you're not, you're not actually sleeping, uh, or at least I wasn't. So now I've taken that, you know, 20 hour day and I'm only getting three or four hours of sleep at night at best. So, um, you know, all right, well then this morning I'm going to sleep in, uh, and really not setting a pattern, not making that the priority. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was kind of asking about was you don't get a chance to set a pattern. The pattern for all of us is, is irregularity. I think hundred percent, even if you're, even if you're very attentive to sleep, it's still irregularity because you're, you're at the whim of, of what the, the day brings you at work mostly. Um, yep. and, and you're blessed with a, a 24 72, which is fantastic. You know, I, I wish the rest of us could be blessed with that. And, and some people 24, 48, or like myself, it's 24 on 24 off and it's that Nova schedule. So it's three, three right. shifts of that. And then four off and it, you just never catch up. It seems like. Exactly. Uh, no, when I first started with Andrew Rondo, we were on 24, 48s, um, with or without Kelly days. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to ask. Was it Kelly? Yeah, we had Kelly's, but, uh, you know, when I got hired at 20 years old, I was just so excited to make money doing my job. Yeah. Um, and then when they told me you can make overtime doing it, uh, I, I went, I went crazy. So there was times where I was working 48, 24s regular or, you know, 36, 36. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I found out how, when I found out how much money I can make on overtime, um, it was, it was crazy. As a 20 year old, there's no reason I should have been making that kind of money, but, um, you know, wore myself thin then and, you know, I'd have to, you know, hit that manual reset button. And I remember my dad telling me, 
you know, you could work and make as much money as you want, but it's not going to do you any good if you're just beat tired all the time. So I just heard a story relayed to me uh, today, actually, about somebody who is working every day this week on, on a day shift schedule and then working every night on overtime running calls. And I'm just like, it blows me away to think that someone would think that maybe that's even sustainable. I'm not, I don't know. That can't be sustainable. No, no, it's not. And, um, you know, when I went through the, the 62 Romeo program, um, they, they send you a book, why we sleep, um, by Matt Walker, Dr. Matt Walker, mm -hmm. Australian, correct. Oh, uh, and what, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, um, a phenomenal read. It is. It was, it's, it's a very good read. So, um, like the Guinness Book of World Records actually made it illegal, I guess is the word, that you can't do a staying awake contest anymore. They they won't allow it. They won't even honor it, anything like that, because it's just, it's so detrimental to your health. So I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, even when I was assigned to the training academy as an instructor, you know, we worked four 10-hour days, um, but you were allowed to work your, your regular day off. So that fifth day that you were supposed mm -hmm. to be off, so if you wanted to, you could work it. And it was overtime or you could work in the field. Um, you know, we're limited to 48 hours, anything over 48 hours, you have to get special approval for, but I could work my, my 10 hour day at the academy, leave, go work in the field and then come back and work at the academy and keep doing that. And that almost was allowed because I wasn't, I wasn't working 48 hours in the field. Right. So, so you mentioned the 62 Romeo, and that's kind of what you want to talk about, because that's been a big piece of what you've been doing actually since we, since we last recorded, correct? Yep. All right. So did you start that after we recorded? And that No, I, uh, actually it was, uh, the end of September, October last year. Okay, so, so it's you, almost been a year that I've been, yeah, been involved you, with you, it. You did it a while ago then. Yep. All right. So let me ask you this. First of all, what, why did you decide to do it? What about so, you? Uh, what about you said, no, I need to make changes. I guess I've always noticed that I didn't sleep well. And, um, I just kind of thought like, eh, it's the cost of doing business. It's part of being a firefighter. It's just part of our schedule and nothing that we do is normal. So I guess this is just something I have to live with and figure out how to do it. Um, I knew I didn't want to do, uh, sleeping pills. Um, I found that, uh, melatonin wasn't, wasn't working at all. You know, you know, eating four or five melatonin gummies every night and still nothing, not even helping at all. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know why I wasn't sleeping. Um, and then, uh, James Gearing from behind the shield had posted something on social media that, um, Robert Sweetman was looking for participants in the 62 Romeo program, uh, went to the website filled out the information within a couple of days. He's, he's reaching out. We did an interview and I got accepted into the program. So, um, uh, I was really thankful because at that point it was almost a move of desperation. Like, all right, well, if this is free, it's, it's an option. Let's try it and see where it goes. So it can't get any worse. So the only, only move I had. So what was that process? Like what, what was the interview like? Uh, basically like this, uh, he, he just kind of asked, he had a couple of his, uh, partners and, um, clinicians with him and just asked like, what, what my sleep habits were like now, what, what, uh, my sleep patterns were like, why, why I thought I wasn't getting good sleep. What, when I said I wasn't getting good sleep, what did that look like 
to me. Um, and I guess they reviewed my answers and, and the interview and came back and said that I was a good candidate for it. So did you ever track your sleep before you started the 62 Romeo? Did you ever pay that close attention other than I'm not getting good sleep? No, no, I had never, uh, never tracked it. Um, at the time I didn't use a smartwatch at all. So, uh, that was, that was one thing that just, I, I knew some people were tracking it with Apple watches and things, but I didn't have one. So I just didn't track it. Um, and I honestly didn't know there was other options on how to track your sleep. I just thought it was, you would have to go do a sleep study at a, mm. at a hospital or a doctor's office and they'd wire you up and you know, that, that's how I thought it worked. Um, but that, that was before. And now I, <laughs> I know there's plenty of other options. So. So tell me about your cohort. How many people were in the cohort for your sleep, sleep, I call it a program. The 62 Romeo is a sleep program. It's what, six weeks? Correct. Um, I think, I think it was like 12 to 15 of us. Um, and we were all firefighters. This one just happened to be all, all men. Um, and we met weekly and we just went over each week. We would go over a different part of sleep. So the first week was just, um, learning how to use the equipment that they gave us. We use a uh, Withing sleep mat. Mm -hmm. uh, so they gave us that. And then the hatch restore, which is, I call it a glorified uh, nightlight. Um, but they, they taught us how to use the equipment. And then it was just do your normal sleep stuff and start tracking and recording. Um, each week we built on different breathing techniques and it kind of helps regulate your body. And, um, as you built on those and we tracked our sleep, uh, each morning you have to do a, a quick diary entry, um, that just logged all of our sleep. So not only did it take your biometrics, but it took exactly what we saw our sleep, our sleep was like. So, Hey, I slept great to this, this time, uh, didn't sleep too well. Um, you know, we ran a bunch of calls. So unfortunately it's through it all. So we just had to log that and then they give you a big report at the end. So. How often did your, did your feel of your sleep match up with your sleep data? Um, as the program got further along, I could tell, like I could wake up in the morning and feel restored and then look at my numbers and see that they matched. So it, it, it took a couple of weeks. Um, and then a couple of times you would wake up just feeling like crap and you're like, oh, yep, my score matched that. Um, sometimes it was a little off. Um, you know, I know a couple of times I woke up and just felt a little, little bit more dragging, but you know, my numbers looked better. So, oh yeah, I've had that a couple of times. Either, either I felt tired and woke up and I'm like, wait a second, I'm, I'm 90 something percent recovered. That doesn't feel right to me. Or the other way around, I wake up, I'm like, man, I'm good to go. I'm ready to, to, to hit it. And then I look in and I'm like, I'm 50% recovered. It just doesn't add up at times. And it, it's exactly. happened a couple of times, not very often, but it, that's why I was curious if it's, if it's happened to other people as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, in the first week, the, one of the first things, the first things that they teach us is that, uh, you know, you're, this isn't to make your sleep perfect all the time. Like that's, that's just unrealistic. So, um, uh, they, you know, they teach you right off the bat that you're in control of your sleep and, um, you know, so it, it's a matter of how bad you want to change it and not to be discouraged over one or two bad nights here and there. So, so I'm not going to get too much into what the program is because I've had, I've had Rob on the, on the show and he, he got in pretty in depth about it. What was your experience though with the, with 
the program? What did you learn? What What do you think were the, I don't, let's go with the top three takeaways from, from the program for you. All right. Um, so the top three for me, well, I'll just boil down to the top one. Here's the, okay. the gist of it, that in the fire department, we do everything wrong by our sleep. Everything. We, we just do it wrong. Uh, some things are systematic and we, we just can't get around it. You know, we can't stop the calls after nine o'clock at night. We just can't, no. right? Um, we can't, from our angle, we can't change our schedule. We can't just say, hey, I'm only going to work in the field, you know, nine to five, right? We're, that's just not feasible. So there's things that we just can't fix, but there's a lot of things that we can do that um, just we've we've not done it right it's it's like coffee right coffee is like the lifeblood of the mm-hmm. firehouse if yeah. there's you if there's not a pot of coffee on at a firehouse you almost think the place is out of service right um so you know most of us are are traveling at least an hour to work i, I would say uh i know at least with Anne Arundel county where uh most of us don't live in the county same, um, same for my county. Most of us don't live in a county. The the cost of living is is prohibitive, and and you're an hour or more, you know, in any direction. Exactly. Mostly south. Uh, but. So, so with that, you know, I know I get up at around four four thirty in the morning. Um, I just transferred. I'm a little bit closer to home, but still, I'm getting up at four thirty in the morning. Um, so if your day's starting at four, you're already you're putting in an eight hour day by noon. Yeah. Um, and you know, the rest of the world, they're, they're, they're working their nine to five. So by five o'clock, they're starting to get tired from their eight hour day. We're getting tired by noon, but there's this bravado in the fire department that, nope, we, we can't slow down. Um, no rest for the wicked, keep working. Um, and that's just ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know where it started. I know in my almost 20 years in the fire, the career fire service, um, taking a nap is like unheard of, uh, or at least it was. So, uh, the biggest takeaway is that we do everything wrong. We, we, we work too hard. Um, we work too hard for too long, too caffeinated. We don't take that time to slow down and rest. And at, at one point the, the machine is just going to break down, right? If you, you don't go to the firehouse and rev up the engine and, uh, you know, throttle it up and just let it run for 24 hours. We got to shut it down and let it rest. Same thing with our bodies, right? We got to slow down and let that rest. Um, so like I've stopped all my caffeine intake after lunch. Um, and when I say stops, yeah, I mean, there's maybe one or two days here and there where I might get a little cup of coffee in, in the afternoon, but, uh, for the most part, I, I don't, I don't drink any caffeine after lunch just because, uh, we learned in the, the 62 Romeo program that your caffeine has a seven hour half-life. So, um, you know, a cup of coffee is, you know, hundred milligrams of caffeine, but a cup of coffee is eight ounces. There's no such thing as an eight ounce coffee cup in any firehouse no. across this country. No, it's at least six, it's at least 16 ounces. So yeah. there's 200 milligrams, right? And who has one cup of coffee? They don't. So now we're looking at three, four, 500 milligrams of caffeine in the afternoon. Um, and that it was three o'clock in the afternoon. I know a couple of firehouses that swear by three o'clock coffee and you have that three o'clock coffee and now 10 o'clock at night, you still have a hundred milligrams of caffeine floats through your system. 
Uh, and, and that's just not going to let you sleep, you know, and anybody out there that says, oh, no, coffee's, coffee's different. I could drink a cup of coffee and fall right to sleep. You're, you're not getting good restorative sleep. Yeah, no, you hear that quite often and, and I can, I can identify specific people and, and probably someone listening and go, well, he's talking about me. But in, in, in my, in my experience of working with people, I, I've heard it so many times, you know, oh, I can drink it now at, at 11 o'clock at night and I'll be asleep by 1130. It's like, great, but, but you're getting shit sleep. Well, let's, let's look at that though, right? So coffee is the, the most traded, the second most traded commodity on the planet, right? Oil, then coffee. Um, it's the most unregulated stimulant on the planet, right? Caffeine is just a stimulant. Uh, so it's the most abused stimulant. Mm -hmm. Um, so that person that says, Hey, like, oh yeah, I can drink it at 11 and be asleep by 1130. What's that saying about their tolerance and their, uh, addiction to caffeine, right? So, you know, somebody who may be addicted to alcohol, they're fine until they don't have their alcohol. So the person that's addicted to caffeine is fine until they don't have their caffeine. So they've built up such a tolerance to their caffeine that their body now relies on to be stable. Like their homeostasis is, you know, carrying a, a BAC of caffeine and that that's what they have to have to maintain. So, you know, in the fire department, that's what we've done. We, we, we run all these calls and our adrenaline's always running and that's now our new homeostasis, right? When things are calm and collected, that's where we start getting nervous because it's not our normal. So when things are calm and collected, what do we have to do? We have to up our caffeine to keep the jitters going because now our body needs to be in that fight or flight stage when we're not in fight or flight. We've, we've just built up a tolerance to that when the caffeine and everything else. And uh, it's like in... Uh, full metal jacket where they talk about animal mother. They're like, ah, he'll be okay. He just needs somebody to throw a grenade at him the rest of his life. Right. You know, so the fire department, oh, we'll be fine. We just need, you know, a power call in the background and, uh, you know, caffeine in our veins all day. Right. And we'll be fine. So, but that's not a sustainable lifestyle. So after six weeks of this program, what's your, what's it do to your sleep for you personally? So I, I notice that, when I, I can tell when I'm starting to get off, right? So like my sleep's not perfect. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent compliant with everything that we learn in the 62 Romeo. But when I start getting those days, I, I have to tell my wife, I'm going to bed early. Oh, let's sit up and watch this. New nope. I'm going to bed early. I need to, I need to regulate my system. Um, I need to slow it down. I need, I need to grab the reins and take control of that. Um, and with the 62 Romeo, they teach you all these techniques. Uh, and then it's just a matter of finding which ones work best for you. So, so they, they don't, they're not sitting there expecting, well, first of all, you can't expect it, but assuming that people are going to have this perfection in their sleep, because it's just not possible for firefighters. All, 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 all you're talking about coming from the program is let's mitigate what you can and, and see how that affect and how that positive positively affects your sleep. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and you know, uh, what GI Joe said it, you know, knowing is half the battle, right? So if we can see what's going to get our sleep off track, then we can prevent that. So that, I mean, that, that's what I really learned about it. Hey guys, quick break right here, just to check in and thank each of you for listening to the show. Your support has been paramount and I appreciate all of you. 
I have one request though. I need you to share the show with everyone you know. Help me get the word out and spread these stories as far and as wide as we can. While you're at it, please leave a review of the show wherever you happen to listen. Feel free to reach out to me at any time to share your story, to talk, or to pass on suggestions. Let's get on with the rest of the show. So what are you doing with the information? Other than helping your own sleep, what are you doing with the information? So I'm, I'm helping people at work. Um, you know, when some people come in and you can just hear, like, you can hear the desperation in their voice, like, oh, I'm running ragged and this, and I'm, you know, always arguing with my spouse or my kids are always up my case. My first thing is like, how are you sleeping? Oh, man, I sleep like, I sleep like shit. I'm like, oh, okay, well, what, what are you doing to fix that? Oh, nothing. And it's like, all right, well, just throwing these little pointers out there, like, what time are you going to bed? I don't know, today it might be 11, tonight it might be this, or tomorrow it's this. Uh, all right, well, like, first thing, let's get on a pattern. How much coffee are you drinking? How much caffeine are you drinking? Like, let's curb that. Oh, no, I need caffeine to keep going. Right, but you want to sleep. So um, I, I think firefighters don't like, there, there's two things that firefighters hate, the way things are and change, right? Yep. So they don't like hearing the hard truth until I can sit there and say like, yeah, no, I've been down that road. I was not sleeping. I'm doing these things and it makes it easier. Um, I think the first step is just tracking your sleep. Even if it's just a, a daily, a quick log or just mental checklist, like, all right, these are all the things that I did the day before. And this is how I slept. Good, bad, or gift. All right, let me change something, right? Uh, let's, let's change this. Let's stop drinking coffee, so much coffee. And maybe I slept a little bit better. All right, now let's start to like slow down and regulate your body. Oh, well, actually, look, I'm sleeping a little bit better. When they start to see that, uh, they buy into it a little bit more rather than just me telling them, change these few things and you'll sleep better. Um, so when you, and go ahead, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, no, no, that's all right. No, you're good. Um, what I was going to say was you, you did mention, I'm going to jump back a minute here. You did mention you're not doing everything perfectly, but you've taken the pieces that work for you. What were the specific pieces that worked for you? So I know, um, what worked for me is that like slowing the, the nervous system down, right? When I would get to bed, I would think about everything that I did today, what I could have done different, how I didn't do it right. Um, what I have to do tomorrow, what I have to do next week, something would pop up. Oh, I can't forget this. Uh, and I would just mentally run through checklists all night long. Uh, and, and it just wasn't letting me sleep. My body was just preparing for the next day, whether it was stressing about the next day or, um, getting excited to go to work, you know, like, all right, man, I, I love going to work. Uh, you get to hang out with the guys, we can train. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do something exciting. We'll do this. And just by doing that, my body was just so amped up and ready to go. Um, that's what I had to work on. So a lot of the breathing techniques that we talk about actually put you in the here and now, not tomorrow. Um, so like anybody, any of the paramedics out there, think about your patient with SVT. What's our first line treatment for that? we're going to work on a vagal maneuver, right? So we, we stimulate the vagus nerve and that's supposed to slow the heart down, right? Sometimes it doesn't work. Most of the time it doesn't work, <laughs> but that's what we need to do to our bodies there, right? So if I can do it to somebody whose heart rates too fast 
well, right now my heart rate's too fast trying to go to bed. So if I focus on slowing my breathing and focusing on that, it actually slows the heart rate down. Then it allows the body to get into a position to sleep. So once I made that connection and just uh, like box breathing is one of the, um, one of the techniques. Um, for those they of call us it, that, uh, those of, excuse me, for those of us that don't know what box breathing is, why don't you do a brief explanation? So box breathing is, uh, you know, basically on, on your cardiovascular system, um, taking the breath in for three or four seconds, holding it for three or four seconds, letting it out for three or four seconds, holding that for three or four seconds. Um, and just doing that a few times and that slows the whole, um, nervous system down. Um, anybody that's done like long range shooting, that's what they do. Um, I was actually just listening to a podcast and the guy was a Navy SEAL and that's what he said. He's like, man, this is great. It helps calm me down. And his, his sniper buddies were like, yeah, that's what we do before we take a long shot. Right. Um, so yeah, they're like box breathing is really good. Just doing that for, uh, you know, five or 10 minutes before I go to bed. Um, actually I found when we were practicing it, doing the 62 Romeo program, there was a couple of times that I had to catch myself while we're in a zoom class, uh, zoom meeting doing this box breathing. And I had to catch myself like, you know, dozing off, mm -hmm. you just, you feel it. Um, another one is breath with sound. So you take as, uh, take a nice, slow, deep breath in as long as you can. And then as you exhale slowly, you kind of, um, almost like you're screaming silently, if that makes sense. So you can okay. kind of seal the winds through your, your vocal cords without making a sound, um, maybe a, a little bit of a hum, but just by doing that, that stimulates the vagus nerve. It slows your body down, uh, slows your heart rate down, and it really puts it in a relaxed state. It gets it prepared for sleep. Um, another one was uh, windmill breathing. So you take a, a, a nice big breath in, and on your inhale, think of, um, you want to feel it from your toes all the way up the front of your body to the top of your head, all the way to the crown, the little button on the top of your head. And then on the exhale, you want to feel it kind of wash everything away, going down the back, down the back of your shoulders, your back, back of your legs, back into your feet. And what that does is it takes that, that busy mind where you're thinking about a hundred things. And it makes you focus on one thing right there, just breathing in and breathing out. Um, and that'll help regulate your, uh, nervous system. So those are the three styles of breathing you employ for yourself. Those are the ones that I focus on the most. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you make any dietary changes for your sleep? Uh, I did not. Um, I like to think that I eat pretty well. I, I eat, I eat well and I eat healthy. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to turn down pizza, um, but I'm not going to eat it every day. Um, so I like to cook. I like to, I like to cook good stuff. So, uh, I know I have some family cardiac stuff going on. So if I can, um, titrate my diet that way, um, they do go into some of the things, different, uh, vitamins that we can take or, or that, that are beneficial to sleep. I don't have that list here in front of me, but um, I know they go they go into that. So, what about alcohol? There is, did you quit or did you just moderate? I moderate, um, and that's where I say sometimes sometimes I'm not a, not completely compliant. You know, you, you you do have those 
there's events that, you know, alcohol does go later into the evening, but, uh, you know, if I know I have something important the next day, that's, that's where I'll be more cognizant of that, you know, okay, maybe I'll have one, one drink where we're out, but I'm going to stop by a certain time so that I can make sure that it's out of my system and I can get better sleep. So from, from the 62 Roma, you graduate and then you become what they call a sleep ambassador, correct? Yes. So what are you doing with that? I, I know you say you're talking to your coworkers, but are you going beyond your department and your station? So I'm, I'm trying to, um, I've developed a, a little presentation for ourselves, uh, for myself to use with, um, different, different avenues. Uh, this is, this is one avenue here, just, just getting it out there and, and kind of spreading the word that, that Robert's doing. He, he's got a lot on his plate. They're doing tons of stuff for it. So if I can help spread that word, that's great. Um, I'm looking to expand this into the mental health, uh, seminar or symposium kind of Avenue. Um, we just participated in the ICISF, um, conference in Baltimore, um, a couple months ago. And, and this is the kind of stuff that would fall right into that. So if I can get firefighters, paramedics, police officers to to get this information and, and get it out to them and make their lives better. That's where I'd like to take it. So, um, you know, with our peer support team, this is hopefully going to be one of our training lessons that I'll do when we do our annual training for that. Uh, we have a meeting coming up, so hopefully I can get it there and then get people to buy into the idea of it. So we talk about sleep in the firehouse or sleep in the fire service. What do you think? What do you think are manageable changes that the fire service can make? So I'll tell you the, the things that I've implemented on my shift, um, was like the, that, that afternoon nap, right? Everybody, everybody knows that as soon as you eat lunch, you start getting a little tired. Um, I, I told all the guys on my shift, as long as everything's done and we're caught up and we're right where we need to be, catch that power nap. You know, I'd rather have you rested and ready to go then make a silly mistake because you're too tired. Right. Um, you know, the guy driving the fire engine, if you sideswipe a car because you were dozing off at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, that now it's, now it's time off of work. It's paperwork. It's the apparatus is out, right? It, what's, what's the ramifications on that? Um, what's the ramifications on letting him take that 20 minute power nap? Or even if it's an hour, you know, go, go catch that sleep. Now he's going to be, in a better position to do his job. I'll be in a better position to do mine. Um, you know, the paramedic on our shift, if he doesn't take that power nap and now he goes and misdoses something and makes it worse for the patient, wh what do we actually do? Right. So uh, I, I think I speak for most fire departments that that's been taboo in the past, you know, catching that afternoon nap is like a sign of weakness, but we learned that almost 16 hours on your first 16 hours with no sleep, it's almost borderline intoxicated, right? So we wouldn't let anybody finish lunch and have a beer and go drive a fire engine. So why would we let them go drive a fire engine when they've been up for 16, 18, 20 hours? So I think the first manageable thing is making that afternoon power nap, um, you know, a more socially acceptable thing so that we are safer and, and better at our jobs. So that's, that one can be done at, at, uh, 
shoot, that can be done at a company level, at a station level, at a battalion totally. level, especially at a battalion level. You get buy-in from a battalion battalion chief, and and they can, and not not necessarily command you to take a nap, but but obviously bless the idea of, of naps. Um, what about other more structural changes? What about um, how do how do you situate a bunk room? How do you, you know. Westnet versus Klaxon. You know, I don't know if any departments have Klaxons anymore, but hopefully not. Jesus, they'll they'll jar you awake and and give you a heart attack just just hearing that. Um, yeah, I know. At least our department in the last few years are uh, changing different alerting systems. Um, initially, it was the old like miniature pager style where it was you know loud beeps that woke you up. Right. Um, yeah, they just I, I think they just shave years off of everybody's life. Um, our, our newer system now is a little bit softer. Um, it's a softer voice that, you know, comes over and says that there's a pre-alert. And so that way it's not just getting the call and you have to go, you get the pre-alert. So now you can kind of slowly start moving. Then the call comes out, uh, shortly after. So now you can actually hear what the call is, where it is, uh, what units are responding. Excuse me. Um, so we also the, have what does the pre-alert give you exactly? Because I don't have that. That's that's new to me. So it'll come over and say, you know, first two pre-alert, medical call, uh, you know, heart problems, uh, and then whatever unit is on. Okay. So just the real basics. Yep, exactly. So it'll tell you, you know, what the type is and what the box area is. So, you know, generally as you're waking up, Mm -hmm. uh, what, what you're getting and where you're going. Um, and then unit specific light colors come on. So, uh, each station is slightly different with what units they have, but, uh, we know if the red light comes on, it's probably an engine call. If it's a blue light, it's an ambulance call. Well, so it's that way you're kind of waking up slowly. It's not super bright, but it's enough that you can start moving through the bunk room. Um, and then we have a reset button right there in the bunk room as we're heading out. So if it's just the ambulance that get the call on their way out, they hit the reset button and then the engine can go back to sleep. Um, or vice versa. If the engine goes out and not the ambulance, then we can reset that and they can get back to sleep a little bit quicker. I like the reset button. I mean, there's a, there's a danger there that not everybody, not everybody got out for the call and then the lights go off and they don't realize that there was a call, but I do like the idea of the reset. Um, I think in my opinion, I think the future of, of bunk rooms and firehouses should be individual bunk rooms. Sure. Um, you know, and as you've heard from Robert Sweetman, like he, he preaches the idea of a sleep dojo, right? And that's your individual sleep area, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, ideally you want it a little bit cooler. Uh, it's, uh, I know I like sleeping better or I sleep better when it's cold, uh, wintertime, I'll even crack a window in the bedroom just so that it's a little bit extra cold. Um, having, having like a white noise, having something that's just like calming to you, um, the studies are showing that with the white noise, uh, first, there's, if it's a 30 decibel change in sound, that's enough to wake you up. So if you already have something that's playing at you know 30 to 40 decibels, now you need a 30 decibel increase from that to wake you up. So uh, with the program, they send you a, a, the hatch restore, um, and then I would use the ocean sounds. That's That just helped keep me asleep. Um, and the studies are showing that your slow brain waves will actually match what the sound waves are. Oh, um, okay. So, um, let me see if I can find the slide over here. You know, when you're, when you're wide awake, your, your brain waves actually are pretty erratic. 
Um, and then as you get into REM sleep, they they actually match. They look the same. Uh, I don't have that slide over here. Oh, there it is. So like when you're awake, um, your, your brain waves are a little bit faster. So you know, they're, they're shorter and faster. Uh, your deep non-REM sleep is like slow and it just, it just slows it way down. Uh, REM sleep and being awake are almost identical. And, um, if it weren't for our body being paralyzed when we're in REM sleep, we would actually start to act out our dreams that we're having in REM sleep. Right. So, um, so with the, the sound machine, it's actually good because it helps your brain parallel the sound waves with your deep sleep brain waves. So with a, a bunk room, that's now like your individual sleeps, sleep areas, whether it's just like the knee walls or physical individual bunk rooms, uh, whatever white noise you want to have in your bunk room is different than what I want to have. And, and that's fine. Or you just want the fan, you just want to run a fan in your room. That's fine. Um, I think, I think it's slowly getting to that point. I know a lot of, some of our newer stations that have been built, they have, you know, rather than just a knee wall, it's, you know, like an office partition. So it might be an eight foot wall, but everybody has their own little cubicle for sleeping. Um, and I think that is the new wave of the fire department. It, it, it should be the new wave. I know I was blessed to be part of a, a, a brand new fire station. Yeah. In my last assignment and we did have individual bunk rooms and, and I tell you, when we first went in there, we were a little nervous I and mean, we, we just kind of wondered who's going to miss the first call, you know, who's going to sit through that first call because you had, you have your own alerting system in there. You have your own, like you said, your, your, your temperature control, you can control it within 10 degrees or seven or eight degrees, either can either, either way you can control the light in there. You can control the noise in there. And I think the the worry was we were going to be too comfortable and um, yeah, like any other place, some people some people sleep through the loudest noise anyway in, in a group bunk room. So it's going to happen no matter what. And I don't think we saw any rise in people missing calls or sleeping it through calls and having, having to been woken up. But I think we definitely saw this rise in this, in, in the, the type of sleep that we had, the, the quality of sleep and the depth of sleep. I know that I, I've never woken up more relaxed at a fire station than I did in that, in that station. And I think that that needs to be the future of, of all firehouses. And I think, I think that's, you know, I don't know how you write that into code. I'm, I'm not even going to touch NFPA because it's, there's such controversy going on with, with everything that they're doing right now that it's ridiculous to even consider that. But I think firehouses, excuse me, fire departments need to pay attention. I think that they need to do the best they can for their, for their people and individual bunk rooms is, is the best you can do for your people. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head that NFPA, they write all these standards to make us safe and make things safer and healthier and all of these things. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're guidelines. And I, I would venture to say that most departments take guidelines and figure out which ones are most uh, cost-effective and that's the ones that they're going to enforce. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll go a step further and tell you NFPA is guidelines according to what the industry standards want want you to spend money on, basically. Exactly, exactly. So uh, in firehouse, fire station infrastructure doesn't really fall into that because, um, you know, that's, that's contractors, that's builders. That's not right. something fire industry. So it, it's not really on their radar. Yeah. I think that, I mean, for, for sleep and for overall health and well-being and mental health and well-being, I think that individual bunk rooms, excuse me, saunas, um, ice baths, 
those kind of things need to be implemented in in a, in a build of a of a of a firehouse and, and probably need to be retrofitted into older firehouses. Yeah, well, and that's that's all well and good, but you you know just as well as I do that you can implement now a new fitness standard. But there's going to be a wave of people that are going to gripe over it, and they're they're going to want to be grandfathered in because they don't want it. Right. So we could we can put saunas and gyms. Uh, you know, uh, the the last fire station that was at it's an older building. Uh, and we actually had a whole extra bay retrofitted to be a gym, rubber floors, uh, health and safety came and gave us all new squat racks and cable machines and, and really pulled out all the stops for us. We had an awesome gym and out of that station, I think four people use it out of four shifts. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, it's know, a, well, you, it's a, you can lead a horse to water, right? Yep. Every day. So, um, but when we see people start using it and talking about all the benefits, you know, uh, I know it's a pipe dream, but like, that's where I'd like to see the culture go that, you know, now we're taking this health and safety stuff and, um, you know, we're, we're taking it seriously and not only can we do our job and do it well, but I'm going to live long after retirement, hopefully. So, so you, you mentioned the sleep ambassador, you mentioned the trying to look for seminars or, or whatever to, to uh, present your information to what's your ultimate goal? What are other things you want to do with this, with this information and, and whatever else you got going on? Oh, uh, well, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, um, people at conferences that have been on podcasts that I've listened to. Um, and when you meet them, you know, I guess my, my, my mind goes that they're like this celebrity person. And then where I meet them, it's like, like uh, he's he's just a retired firefighter. Like he did everything that I did, that I'm doing, and um, you know they're I don't want to take away from them, but they're they're not this big special person. They're just they've got a message and they're getting it out there. Um, so you no, know, I most put myself of, in most that, of us are borderline special needs. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and you know maybe that's why I get along with them when I when I meet them, but. Uh, you know, we have a mental health clinician that works with our fire department and our peer support team. So I've been working with him to see where I can take this, you know, what, what seminars are coming up. And, um, I don't know about you, but if I hear us, if I go to these classes and I hear from a PhD and a, you know, an MD and all these right. things, it's like, okay, that's great. But like, oh, this guy's a, uh, on the street riding apparatus, firefighter, lieutenant, paramedic, and they're out here preaching this stuff. I buy more into that than, uh, you know, the big clinicians. So, well, um, I, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a little seminar for you to take part in if you, if you're, if you're interested. So we we can talk later off, off, of, off a totally. of camera. So something I'm working on and trying to flesh out in, in my head with, with other, with, uh, other local podcasters. And so we're trying to figure it out. Very cool. Yeah. So, and, and would love to add a piece of the, you know, the sleep to it as well. And, and, and no, you've already sent me uh, a presentation that you do, and, and I think it would be worthy. Very cool. Um, so what's, what's the rest of life like for you now after, after doing the sleep, after doing the podcast, after making some changes, what's, what's life like now for you? Uh, life right now, um, working hard. Um, Looking, looking at a promotion coming up. Uh, it's, it's in the, in the works. It's just a matter of waiting for the vacancy to happen. Um, so just kind of, uh, I'm already moved to the new station. Um, so now I'm, uh, I've got a whole bunch of new challenges there. Um, moving into the Marine ops division. So, uh, learning the whole boat stuff. Uh, that's, that's going to be this whole summer. So that's, that's 
part of it at work. Going to get a captain's um, license? So maybe, I'm not sure. Um, we, we have new boats on the way. Uh, we've got two new fire boats coming. They're 56 foot boats. Nice. So they, they want people to have the captain's certifications, not so much the license. Um, but, uh, our, our Marine ops division is taking, taking on a lot of new stuff. Um, and, and they're really looking to revamp all of it. So, um, so, so there's a lot there Been busy at work, not really call volume, but, but treating stuff there. So, um, breathing kids, got three girls. Um, they keep us busy. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so whether we're at a softball, tour, softball tournament in we Virginia, Delaware, Pennsylvania, we're all over the place. So actually we're, we're down in the, the Nova area pretty frequently. So, well, you need to give me a shout next time. We'll meet up. I'll, totally. buy, I'll buy you lunch or coffee or something next time you're in Nova. Totally. I mean, Nova's a, a widespread area now, but, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, I know that in, and I asked you last time you were on the show, what was, uh, if you had a book to recommend people. So do you have a, do you have another book? I, I mean, I know you want to, you'll, you'll say Matthew Walker and why you sleep. And, and I, and I, I'll pimp that every day because I love the book. It's, 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 it is a, it's a deep dive without being abusive. If, if that makes sense. It is, it is. It doesn't read like a textbook, um, which makes it nice, but, um, you know, because I took an interest, it was easy to really dive into the book. But uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one of my my go to recommendations. Um, you know, I said to you a list before for me to pick <laughs> any of them would be hard. Right. Um, I forgot I think, you sent uh, me the list before we recorded last time. <laughs> um, I think my absolute go to on that list though is ego is the enemy. Okay. Um, for me, that was um. It was just really eye-opening. So uh, I, I like all the Jocko stuff, but Ego is the Enemy was was huge because it's easy for us in the fire service to to go down that Ego road. Um, dare I say, as men, it's easy for us to go down that Ego road. And when we start putting that to the side, we really open up uh, tons of doors and gateways. So it's, uh, uh, if it, it's ironic that you mention it because I just got done listening and, and um, kind of editing tomorrow's or not tomorrow's show, Wednesday's show. And that's with it oh, drawing a blank. Now it was Ricky Nuttall out of London. I don't know if you've heard his story, but he was in the Greenfield or Grenfell towers fire. And, and he talks about, you know, what were super, or excuse me, what were firefighters before they became firefighters? You know, people like to put you on a pedestal because you have an ID card, but what were you before you became a firefighter? And you're, you're just a person and that's what we are. And that's exactly what you're saying. I mean, check your ego. You're just a person that holds a title. Exactly. So, um, all right. So you got the books out of your way, right? So you got, I know we talked about an everyday carry the, the first time as well. And you want to remind us what your everyday carry is? Uh, well, no, the first one was, uh, the tattoos, um, of my daughter's footprints on the inside of my arms, you know, in my, my darkest moment, they were, they were my snap to reality. And that's, uh, if it wasn't for them, I, I probably wouldn't have gone down the road, um, as constructively as I did. Okay. So, uh, you know, I have that, but, uh, actually you see it a couple of times, my water bottle, I carry a water bottle everywhere. Right. Um, I you know, to, just, I need to send you a couple and, stickers to put on there, by the way, so you can right on. Yeah. So the water bottle, how much are you drinking a day? 
Um, I try to get two of those in. That's like 96 ounces. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's what I try to do. Some days are better than others. Of now course. that it's been hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other day at work, we were out on the boat patrol. So we were out for 12 hours uh, in an, in the Annapolis area on the Chesapeake Bay. Um, yeah, I drank a little over a half a gallon of water, a couple Gatorades. So, you know, it's, it's easier to keep track. And if you carry that water bottle, it makes you drink water. So it does. Or you just carry heavy, heavy water bottle. I know people that carry it around <laughs> that don't drink from it. And I'm like, what are you doing? You got it there. Drink it. So, exactly. Again, you can, you can literally lead a horse to water, right? <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I, I, um, I, I like to sleep stuff and, and. Do you um, have a place where everybody can reach out and, and find you? Um, I'm I'm actually terrible with Instagram, um, but I, I am on there. I'm on Facebook, so if anybody wants to reach reach out and find me there, uh, you know Brad Schreifer. Um, you know if you have any more questions, please feel feel free to reach out. And um, actually, I'll give you my email address, and you can put it in the show notes if you want. So if anybody wants to reach out that way, All right. uh, it'll be there. So. Cool. I think I'm. I, sh- I think I have it through the emails that we've been going back and forth with. So I can, I can definitely put it in show notes that way. That way, it'll work. Sa- save you the hassle of having to do it for us. So yeah, listen, man. When you're in Nova again, let me give me a heads up and and I'll see what my schedule is and and at least buy you a coffee and meet up. Right on. Sounds like a plan. All right, man. All righty. All right. Take care, dude. Yep. You do the same. All right. We're out. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Things We All Carry. Head over to the website, thethingsweallcarry.com for show notes, resources, and to sign up for the newsletter. Until next week, take care of yourselves and remember to check in on each other.